Jesus stood among them and said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. I'm Kara Cardell. And I'm Fred Schellebarger. And you're listening to My Lord and My God, Encountering Christ in the Eucharist. Well, the time has finally come. We are doing an episode topic that I think uh, either I am the only one who's been excited about or everyone is excited about. There's no in between. I've been excited too. Okay, thank you. You've brought me along on this journey. Thank you. I'm here too, by the way, everybody. (laughs) Hopefully I've brought everybody else along the way. And you're also excited to hear about this topic. Uh, We've had caffeine this morning. Yes. So this episode is going to be about what? Fred. This episode will be about the Last Supper, Kara. Finally. Finally. I feel like we've kept like we kept talking about it when we did like manna. You have did. promised this mm. many times. Well, you can't have a show on the Eucharist and not talk about the institution of the Eucharist, which that happens at the Last seems Supper. Seems like an oversight. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we gotta do it. But we've been building to this. Um, and then everything else will also keep building upon this. So very And exciting. we appear to be a, a bit in a silly mood. As we start this episode, but Which we'll do our best. might not be helpful <laughs> because <laughs> yes. we're going to really deep, deep dive into it like is, scripture. We're just trying to comic relief. That's what it is. Yeah. Like get get it in now and because now you're going to like get your Bible out, yep. get your notebook out and it'll be gone. Yes. Um, I think actually before we even go into the Last Supper, in my mind, it was like, let's do an episode about the Last Supper. And then it was like. The very last page of notes that I wanted to talk about is the Last Supper. Right. Everything yeah. else is like, okay, what do you all need to know before we can really talk mm-hmm. about what's happening at the Last Supper and grasp like the significance of it? Right. And then at the end of this episode, you're probably going to realize there's still more you can talk about with the Last Supper. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like it's how can you spend a year on the Eucharist? Well, we're six months into it and still spending. Yeah. And Finally getting to the institution of the Eucharist. And there's still so much more. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think for uh, from my standpoint, because I have heard, you know, it's the institution of the Eucharist in the Last Supper. And, you know, some of the words are very important, which we're going to get into. But he's talking about, like, Jesus is talking about the covenant in his words at the Last Supper. And we hear that at Mass, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. We hear that at Mass. Like, you know, the priest holds up the wine. This is the blood mm-hmm. of the new covenant and all the, all these things. But I don't think normally Catholics understand what's a covenant and how that theme goes throughout scripture. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to throw myself in there. I didn't until Mm -hmm. I actually like started intentionally studying scripture. I had no idea. That was never talked about. Not a word we use in everyday language for sure. No. So I think in order to grasp really like what's happening, um, what's happening in the last supper and why we continue to celebrate that as you know, the new Passover, which we've also alluded to, we have to really pause and talk about, okay, what's a covenant? Mm-hmm. So I think that's where I would like to start if you're okay with that, That Fred. sounds good to me, yes. What okay. is a covenant, Kara? Well, I've heard it said like, okay, it's it's a promise, but it's more than a promise. And I kind of take it like it's a contract, but it's more than a contract, like an mm. intense contract. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's like how I try and explain it a little bit. So like... When you think of a contract, a signed in blood sort of contract. Yes, a signed in blood. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, not just like signed with a pen. So when you think of a contract, it's like okay, you enter into an agreement with somebody for an exchange of goods and services, mm-hmm. and then if the other party does not, you know, fulfill the service, you don't have to pay them the good. Mm-hmm. 
the easiest one be like, okay, if you contract out to a contractor to come and like fix your house, Mm -hmm. you're going to pay them for their labor. And if they don't do the labor, you don't Mm -hmm. have to pay them. So there's an out. Right. With a covenant, it's like you have this, you enter into this agreement, but instead of an exchange of goods and services, it's an exchange of persons. Mm -hmm. And so I think the best example of a covenant would be marriage. Like when you get married, it's not only a sacrament, you are entering into a covenant and you are exchanging yourself, like scripture tells us, to become one flesh. Mm -hmm. You are joining together and exchanging persons and you do that as well, you know, in the consummation of your marriage and you're exchanging persons. It's very beautiful. But what is what is so key with a covenant in an exchange of persons is that it cannot be broken like a contract mm-hmm. where if some if another person doesn't hold up technically like their end of the bargain, mm-hmm. if you want to say there, you don't get an out. You know, right. so when you are standing up there giving your vows, what you're agreeing to is uh, a life of fidelity. You're agreeing mm-hmm. to love in sickness and in health for richer, for poorer. What happens if, you know, your spouse becomes the poorer or your spouse comes down with like a fatal illness and it's like, okay, well, that's not what I signed up for. What happens if your spouse cheats? That's not what I signed up for. It's like, no, that's exactly what we vowed to in our, in our marriage. Yeah. And so if that person doesn't hold up vows, you don't get an out. Yeah. It's an exchange of persons. Even in, even in scripture and Hosea in particular, like God speaks to our relationship to him as being like a marriage and illustrating it, yeah. just like intensely the reality of that that covenant. Mm-hmm. Like he asks the prophet Hosea to marry an unfaithful bride and and she has relations regularly and he has to go and bring her back and she continues to be unfaithful and even has children outside of their marriage mm-hmm. and yet he loves and cares and keeps bringing her back and she even has those moments where just like the prodigal son she's like i need to go back because i was doing better with my husband than i was with these other guys you know it's the parallel there is just fascinating well and god even does the same thing he calls himself the bridegroom and his people which we'll get to unfaithful yeah we're the unfaithful bride um and he and that actually comes up too in jeremiah 31 where we're going to get to that as well but he says the covenant when I was their husband, like right. he calls himself. Yeah, Ezekiel 16 as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's very, it's actually very beautiful right. when we're able to look at an understanding of covenant in this marriage, um, in this marriage way. So how do you then get out of a covenant? The way to get out of a covenant, and I know Fred wants to kind of actually get into like, okay, what are the covenants in, in salvation history? And this is I'll actually. Let you, I'll let you lead us and walk us there. Okay. This is actually really, <laughs> in, really important. Like it might seem like, oh, we're getting in the weeds. No, this is super important right. to what we're going to point out with the Last Supper. But how you um, end a covenant is the fulfillment of like the conditions, if you will. Right. So, I mean, marriage is till death do us part. So you fulfill that condition by being together for your entire life. Right. Um, but we'll talk about the conditions of the covenant with God and his people, or you get out of it through death, mm-hmm. right? So scripture tells us there is no marriage in uh, in heaven. Right. So when one of the spouses dies, that marriage, is, that marriage covenant is no longer, mm-hmm. right? So the faithfulness of both parties to complete the conditions or death, that's how a covenant is ended. There, there's a cool story imagery, but I don't know if it, comes in here with like Abraham's covenant Mm 
you know how he split and oh, yeah. walk through the middle. Yeah, yeah. I like, like that's that that's marriage. That's yeah. that's why you're on one side and the other and you walk through the middle. For those who don't know what that is, it's uh in, in scripture where Abraham is put into a sleep or he falls asleep, and this is when God is making the covenant with Abraham and there are animals and he he splits the animals in half and lays mm. them like half on one side, half on the other side. And then a torch goes through the center mm. of them. And like that's it, meaning the Lord. The Lord. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It has a very um, marital image where you're walking down the aisle. One family is on this side right. and then the other family is on the side. And you're joining the two families together by walking down with the center. Yeah. And yeah. then it's God who's present in, in the midst right. of that marriage. Yeah, it's very beautiful. So that that actually is a really good transition. So there's. Um, to go to, you know, uh, the old covenant and kind of walk through salvation history. Covenant is a huge theme throughout scripture that God enters into this like unbreakable, essentially mm-hmm. unbreakable bond with his chosen people. So Fred, you kind of want to walk through like just very briefly what some of those covenants yeah. are. I, I like the imagery that you use there because that, that really gets to the heart of what's different about a covenant versus a contract too is God is in the middle binding the two together. So like one of the scriptures that when my wife and I got married, we had read was, uh, comes from Ecclesiastes. It talks about a threefold cord can never mm-hmm. be broken. If yeah. you've ever tried to make rope or a braid, you know, two strands is going to fall apart. But three, that's how, you, that's the key to success. Is yeah. That third strand is Christ. And Wasn't it Fulton Sheen, three to get married? Three to get mm-hmm. married. And that's the same thing with this covenant idea. So when we look at the covenants in scripture as they unfold in the Old Testament, what you notice is God's love, God's revealing of himself getting larger and more inclusive and expanding outward mm. more. So like we can look at seven main covenants in the Old Testament beginning with Adam and we see an unfolding here that like is fulfilled in Christ mm-hmm. in the new covenant. So like, let's look at the first covenant with Adam, we find covenant rule there. What is it? It's a husband and a wife. The covenant itself is marriage. Mm -hmm. And the sign of that covenant is the Sabbath, the Sabbath rest. So they were, it's a husband and a wife. They're supposed to enjoy that Sabbath rest. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a pretty, pretty Pretty easy easy covenant. uh But as is often the case, us in our unfaithfulness, we break it. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. The one simple request, don't eat from that tree, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but we do it anyways. But God in his mercy, his love, he establishes another plan. We have the covenant with Noah. What do we find with Noah? We find a father Mm -hmm. and a family. So again, we've gone from a marriage to a family. Now we have the, the sign of the covenant. What is it? Rainbow. Rainbow means something more than we think it means these days. Mm -hmm. It's a sign of God's faithfulness, of his promise, really to never destroy the world again by flood, but also like he's faithful to his promise and he will keep it. From there on, it didn't take long for even Noah to like, within a few chapters, Noah's already like, 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 (laughs) wow, this is a mess already. Like it's just you and your family, Noah. But from there we go, we land with Abram, Mm -hmm. who becomes Abraham, of course, and we find I will make you a chosen nation. Your descendants will be like the stars. It's great promise. I just need you to go from here to there, right. Abram. And he becomes a chieftain. He's the chief of a tribe. What's the sign of that covenant? Circumcision. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a real fun sign, but that's what it was. Yeah. And it set them apart from 
the people around them. With Moses, we find a judge who leads a nation out of Egypt, out of bondage. What's the sign of that covenant? We've already talked about it here on My Lord, My God, the Passover, Mm -hmm. which is directly related to To the the Last Last Supper Supper. and Mm -hmm. why you've wanted to... Yeah. You've been pointing at this show, this episode, for quite a while. From Moses, we've come to David, the king of Israel. So now we've gone from a husband and wife, gone from a couple, to a father, to a chief, to a judge, and now a king, Mm -hmm. king of a nation. We have a nation established. What's the sign of that covenant? It's the throne. Ultimately, what all these covenants were pointing to was Jesus Christ himself, Mm -hmm. an everlasting covenant, a new covenant. What's the sign of that covenant, Kara? The Eucharist. The Eucharist. Yeah. Was that a good walkthrough? Yeah, I think that's a that was a really great walkthrough. Like I had no idea. I honestly had no idea before actually going and intentionally studying it that there was so much more to mm. sc- the story of of Jesus in general, the story of God and our and our story of our, our salvation. But yeah, walking through the different not promises, not oaths, but an exchange of persons, God mm. with his people. And how in-depth it is. And so right. thank you for walking through that. There's I, always a promise and a fulfillment with these covenants as yeah. well. Like that that earthly king, kingdom of David was pointing to the, the universal kingdom, which is ultimately pointing to great like descendants as numerous as the stars for Abraham. Right. Like they all build on each other. But that's the thing. Like God is faithful to God his promise. God is faithful promise. to his promise. We are not faithful. Clearly we are not. No. And yeah. so that's kind of what I wanted to talk a little bit about is like, I had stopped at Moses to show how the Passover and the Last Supper relate, but mm-hmm. they enter into this covenant with God uh, in the Passover through Moses. And like, here, here is what was kind of their conditions of this covenant. Here's their conditions of this covenant. This is in Exodus 19, uh, starting in verse three. It says, Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him out of the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, which is often exchanged for the word commands, Mm -hmm. commandments. um, If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my own possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So this is familiar. Yeah. Like this is the, these are the conditions of this covenant. Like he is saying, if you obey my voice, if you obey the covenant, if you listen to me, you are going to be my people. Like, I will adopt you as my children. I'm choosing you above all nations. These are the petitions. So these are like the conditions. Faithfulness equals family, essentially. Mm. Their faithfulness equals him adopting them as family. And they agreed to this. Mm -hmm. In Exodus 24, this is often common, like where people turn to for the covenant with Moses. Exodus 24 They say, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it upon the people and said, this is very, very familiar. Moses said, behold the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. And then later in verse 11 says, they beheld God and ate and drank. Mm -hmm. So that should sound very familiar. But here are the the conditions. They agree to the conditions. Fred, was Israel faithful? Uh, no, no, they were not faithful. Less than 10 chapters later, pretty sure it's like Exodus 32, right? Eight chapters later, they worship the golden calf. They worship right. false gods. They yes. fall into sin. They are yeah. not faithful yeah. in I, the slightest. I think it's funny because we look back on it in our 21st century eyes and, and 
like we're trying to follow the Lord and be faithful. We're like, what is wrong with them? Why couldn't they? Yeah. And yet many of us, like we struggle to be faithful just today. Yeah. And I'm not even talking about everything that came before, you know? And it's, it doesn't look like collecting all our jewelry and building a golden calf, but we right. like, there are false gods in today's world Absolutely that we elevate right. above our faith. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. But even though they were not faithful, God remains faithful. And now I want you to remember what I had said. The only way to end a covenant is if both parties carry out their condition Mm -hmm. or through death. Now, obviously, Israel, they messed up right away. They're not carrying out their condition. They Mm -hmm. are not faithful. The Old Testament is a constant story of Israel falling away as an unfaithful bride and God wooing them back and continuing to be faithful to them. Mm -hmm. So God is faithful. They are not. An entire people of Israel cannot die off. Mm -hmm. So God had to die. Mm -hmm. And so that's where Jesus comes in. When people say Jesus is the fulfillment of the covenant. How? Because God became man so that he might die for us. Mm -hmm. And then the covenant is fulfilled. However, Mm -hmm. that doesn't leave us without a covenant, without a promise, an exchange of persons with God. And I think this is really why I wanted to start there. Mm -hmm. I like it. You're getting excited. I am getting excited. I get nerdy. I don't know if anybody else like ever listening is like. Kara's got the biggest smile on her face at the moment. (sighs) My face gets red too because I'm like, let's go. Let's talk about. (laughs) But like this idea of a new covenant, when we talk about this, like God is entering into a promise with us Mm -hmm. today where, okay, if the conditions was back then faithfulness equals family. It's the same now in this covenant. Jesus came, forgave us of our sins, and yet we are still family. Like we become his adopted sons and daughters in in our Mm -hmm. baptism. Mm -hmm. Like we are all a part of this new covenant. But they knew that this was coming. Like back if they knew their scriptures, which many of them did, they knew this was coming. They, They saw and understood that there was no longer going to be this old covenant. There was going to be a new covenant. This comes from the prophet of Jeremiah. I think this is such a key passage. Mm -hmm. It's Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 31. I'm going to read all of it because I do think it is such a key passage. Mm -hmm. It says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I'm not going to get into this a ton, but like at this time, there was no house of Israel. They had already split off into two different kingdoms. And so here he's like, I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel. They're like, what? Like you're going to reunite us all? You know, like they there was a, a hope there. And he says, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, right? They weren't faithful. Though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them and I will write it upon their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So this comes in the Old Testament from the prophet Jeremiah. So they like they knew Mm -hmm. the old covenant, the signs of the old covenant, like all of those things were going to go away and there was going to be a new covenant, which would bring a new sign. Right. Mm -hmm. And a new worship and a new practice. Right. And a new Passover. Mm -hmm. So they understood this. What does this all have to do with the Last Supper? (laughs) (laughs) What does this have to do with the Last Supper, Kara? And the Eucharist. (laughs) Well, um, like I just said, with a covenant came a sign or came a a form of worship. And so we have the covenant with Moses, then comes Passover, Mm -hmm. right? So the same would go today. Like if we are entering into 
we have entered into a new covenant, there also comes a new form of worship. And so that form of worship comes to us at the Mass Mm -hmm. and the Eucharist, and we see that in the Last Supper. And talk about the Lord dwelling with his people and the law being written upon our heart. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The law literally dwells in us, Mm -hmm. and in our very being, we become living, walking, breathing tabernacles. The Lord dwells inside of us, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Like Talk about written upon our hearts. And I think you mentioned that passage from... I think it was Exodus 24 earlier mm-hmm. about being a chosen people and a yeah. priesthood. This is exactly why 1 Peter 2.9 says we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Yeah. Yeah, that one was from Exodus 19. But yes, yeah, he he chooses them as his people. Well, and that's actually like one of the fruits of receiving the Eucharist mm-hmm. is the Holy Spirit lives within us. That's how he his law right. is written on our heart is through the Holy Spirit. And There's, that's also how we become family. Exactly. Like the episode with Matt Leonard, like yeah. that was the thing that stood out to him is like we receive the same body, the same blood mm-hmm. in the Eucharist. We are family. Family. Yeah. And actually yeah. living that out. Yeah, it's beautiful. I feel like there's a lot there's a lot to cover and I'm not gonna talk necessarily about this in this episode, but like with this understanding of a new covenant, like there already was an expectation of a new form of worship. Mm-hmm. I'll actually just put those in the show notes. Like there's a, a ton of scripture passages that would show that they were expecting different wor- forms of worship, different mm-hmm. sacrifice, things like that in this time of the new covenant. But that worship that we're talking about is the mass. Right. Um, it's when Jesus institutes that. So I think it's important then if we're talking about the Last Supper, let's actually go and look at the scripture passage for the Last Supper. Yes. If everyone's ready. If Let's you're not that, overloaded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we're just diving in. I love it. I actually really enjoyed prepping for this one too. Yes. Yeah. It shows, Karen. Well, good. Um, so there are obviously um, any of the Gospels that you can pull from for the Last Supper. I pulled from Luke and I pulled a little bit from Matthew if it ends up coming up. But in Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 19, says, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after supper, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. So there's that word, covenant. So if you remember listening to the episode, about the Old Testament Passover, we talked a lot about like what their understanding was of memorial and mm-hmm. of remembrance. Do you want to remind people if they haven't actually listened to that? So long and short of it was the it's not just remembering in the fond sort of way like we do, but like yeah. they're literally there at that moment, mm-hmm. reliving those moments. Yeah, and scripture actually says like that you and your children who I brought out of Egypt. It's right. like, wait, after several generations now, like I wasn't in Egypt. Right. No, in their celebration of the Passover, yeah. they're in Egypt. And it's Egypt. still that way even today for Jewish families. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's the understanding of remembrance or, mem- or a memorial. And here is Luke saying, do this in remembrance of me. Like that's Jesus's words. So when he's doing the Last Supper, it's like, Oh, this is this is going to be like like the Passover. Like right. this is a new Passover. There's really important significance to the apostles sitting there hearing these words mm-hmm. as Jesus is like, you're going to continue to do this. And we do continue to do that at mass. And it's very similar for us. Like it's you know, these events of Christ's life, the Last Supper upon the cross, they are 
represented to us. He's not re-sacrificed. Let's make that right. very clear. Yeah, make that clear. There, yeah. He is represented in those events and like we get to be present right. at the mass. Yeah. All of time is present there. Amen. It's very beautiful. Then it's also good to point out like when he when Jesus is saying this cup, which is poured out, is the blood of the new covenant. Remember, we were talking about how um, that was the same in Exodus 24. Moses mm-hmm. is saying this is the blood of the covenant. And then it's the same in Jeremiah 31. I will make a new covenant. Like these right. words have significance to yeah. the apostles sitting there. They're like. Like they had all of the familiarity right. with these passages. They're this like, this is, is it. That. This yeah. is the thing that all of the covenants beforehand were pointing to. Yeah. This is their climax. This is their fulfillment. Even going back to Genesis 3.15, when the Lord promises to make things right, mm. this is what it was talking about. Yeah. And they have ears to hear that. Like right. there's just that excitement there. Mm-hmm. And we hear the same words repeated um, for the, the consecration at the mass. It's the mm-hmm. same words for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, Amen. which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. It's the Passover. Right. It's the new Passover. Um, and that, that also goes back to um, Jeremiah 31 for the forgiveness of sins. Like this new covenant they understood was going to forgive all of their iniquities. Mm-hmm. And so here this is happening. I feel like there's just a lot that could be covered um, in the Last Supper. Like we we didn't talk about the priesthood. This could easily be several episodes, Kira. I know. I think I might have said like maybe it'll be more than more <laughs> yeah. than this, and you know maybe we'll come back and pick it up uh, as we kind of get right. going and conclude in the show. Um, and we didn't talk about like the fourth cup. I didn't talk about the lamb. I'll, I'll stay <laughs> off my soapbox, but there was a lamb. Yeah, it says when they finished supper, when they finished eating, what were they eating? Hey, they were eating said, the lamb. You said you were going to stay off that soapbox. Okay, then. let me hop off. But I do have one more point that I think is actually very, very fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it comes by reading the account in Matthew's gospel. So Matthew's gospel in, in chapter 26, it says, now as they were eating, what were they eating? The lamb. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples. Already that has like the feeding of the 5,000, mm-hmm. which we had in a whole episode on. Yep. Blessed, broke, gave. And he said, take, eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, and the word here for thanks is Eucharisteo. That's where we get the word Eucharist. Nice. The word here, he gives thanks, Eucharisteo. He gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jeremiah 31. So here I want to I want to emphasize this word. Thanks. Eucharisteo, because this is where the word Eucharist comes from. And I've actually had people um, say, I don't get the big deal about like, who cares about that? It means thanks. I don't like the word Eucharist. I don't like the word Eucharist. It's communion because it brings us all together. And that's fine. Like it is communion. Mm-hmm. We can call it that as well. That's what I've heard. I, yeah, yeah. Just no, to be clear, that me too. wasn't my opinion. No, me too. That's I, I have heard it said. Um, and so that's actually why I wanted to point out like there's beauty in that it's thanks, yeah. but there's also like a fulfillment of things that were expected in that time. So there was an understood um, rabbinic, I don't want to call it a tradition because it wasn't a tradition, mm-hmm. but like a belief, mm-hmm. like they kind of expected that in the time of the new covenant, often called the eschatological times, which we've been in mm-hmm. for 2000 years now, right. the end times, right? Um, that all 
sacrifices, all offerings will come to an end, but the thank offering will not come to an end. They called it the Todah. All offerings in the time of the new covenant would come to an end except the thank offering. Mm. And what do we do at mass? We offer the Eucharisteo. We offer the thank offering over and over at all times of the day. Like we are in this time of the new covenant. It has fulfilled the old covenant and we are practicing this new Passover, this new remembrance, truly representing the events of Christ's life. Like we get to be there. It's mm-hmm. just very, it's just very beautiful. It's beautiful. And I am with you until the end of the age. Yes. And he really is. Amen. He really is.